Look, you're here because you want to improve your mental health. I don't know what exactly your story is, but, you know, after talking to thousands and thousands of people over the years, I can guess, you know, chances are you have either recently started dealing with some profound challenges. Maybe you're feeling really anxious, really overwhelmed, uh, really stressed out, and it's interfering with your ability to function on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe this has been with you your whole life. I mean, we see people all the time who've been struggling for years, decades, even, and, you know, they're just fed up. They don't know what to do. And uh, they feel like they've tried just about everything out there. And they don't know why they aren't getting any results. And quite honestly, it's because most people just don't know what they don't know about how to improve their mental health. And they're doing what they think they're supposed to be doing. And they still keep getting the same crappy results, you know. And so if you're, if that, you can relate to that, you're definitely in the right place. Because we're going to show you that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, just a very 30 second background on me. Uh, I was suicidal back in the day, severe depression, anxious, stressed for about two years. It was really, really rough for me. And uh, thankfully, you know, I, I uh, planned to take my own life was interrupted by a family member. And, um, you know, fast forward, I haven't felt depressed in over 16 years. Now that story might be a little extreme for some of you. Some of you guys are just feeling really anxious uh, on, you know, as you go to work every day, and you're just trying to mitigate that. So don't worry, even if your situation is, you know, in a way, maybe not as severe, you're in the right place. You know, if you're feeling chronically stressed, really anxious, if you are feeling depressed, uh, or if you're dealing with some other sort of niche mental health challenge, right, like, you know, something in the, you know, the, the obsessive realm, or you've got a habit, or you're trying to quit drinking or, you know, something in that vein, you're in the right spot. And you'll see as we kind of get on, unfolded. But primarily, the typical people we work with, uh, probably about 60 to 70% are dealing with some type of chronic feeling of feeling anxious or feeling depressed. So um, that's where we're going to be focusing. But it doesn't have to be that way. So let's talk through why that is. What we're going to cover today are a couple things for you because I want to add as much value in the time we have together as possible. Our mission, really, is to make sure that we put you in control of your mental health again, right? That you are able to be in charge of how you feel the vast majority of the time. I'm never going to claim somebody's perfect, and you're never going to feel any negative emotion ever, because that's just the point of life is to grow and expand and put yourself in challenging situations that are sometimes uncomfortable, so it's delusional to think that you can feel totally great all the time. However, we're going to prove that you can live without depression and anxiety running your life, without you having to revolve your life around it, and without you feeling like you're constantly at war with your mind and that you have to accommodate what you can do in life based off of what repetitively occurs in your mind. We can get you freedom from the recurring negative mental patterns that are causing you issues, okay? But to do that, we have to focus on a couple things. In fact, there are probably one or more, usually there's usually two to four things that you are believing about your situation right now that you didn't even realize are actually helping keep you anxious or depressed. So I have to show you what those are. Because again, after seeing thousands of cases like this, I've been able to see that people fall into these same myths. They're totally understandable. Many of them I believed myself too. So, you know, there's no, no knock on you for it. It's just if we're going to help you move forward, we got to make sure that you understand what those are. And then lastly, we got to make sure we get you some real specifics on how to start eliminating this, right? Get you out of that stuckness mode, get you out of the overwhelm mode and get you some things you can put into practice and show you exactly, uh, I'm gonna walk you through the exact phases that we use to move everybody to that period of you know freedom, right? Being able to, to live on their own terms, feel how they wanna feel. I'm gonna show you exactly how we do that um, every time, okay? So let's dive into it. So first of all, to pr prove and demonstrate for you that you can live a life without depression or anxiety running your life and you can get freedom from that, we got to tackle a couple myths. Here, here's honestly the most pervasive myth out there. This is especially for those of you who've been dealing with this for probably several years or more. And you may not even know that this is something you've come to believe, but it's so predominant. That's why I put it number one. There's just this attitude of this is how it's going to be. And in fact, the, the core mental health industry hasn't done people many favors in the past several decades on this. 
because there's this giant narrative that's pushed about, oh, you're feeling depressed right now at this period of your life. You're feeling really, really anxious at this period of your life. Therefore, you are going to probably be suffering with this for the rest of your life. That's sometimes the, the very first thing that comes out of professionals' mouths in the first 10 minutes. So it sets people up with this belief system about what the future has to be like and, you know, essentially gets them in this attitude of I need to buckle up for the long haul and essentially just grit my teeth through this thing and learn how to just accommodate the best I can. Chances are, if you're on this video, if you're on this webinar today, and I see some people in the chat even right now being like, no, that's BS, right? So, you know, I tend to attract people who are more of like action takers and really want to change things. And that's exactly what you're able to do. You don't have to be, you don't have to live with this for the rest of your life. And we've got plenty of proof to demonstrate that that's the case. You know, the reason I knew this was the case when I started my career is because I had done it. I had really sustainably gotten depression out of my life. And we see stories like this coming through all of the time, regardless of the background. You know, the gentleman there on the left had dealing with severe uh, depression and anxiety and worked on it, you know, substantially for a couple of months. You know, I just had recently gotten a message from him. He's still going strong, you know, two years later after having finished working through the process that we taught him. Um, this woman here had been dealing with some real severe challenges, I believe panic attacks on a regular basis, showing up at work and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, now she's living without that and advancing her career. And then another woman we were working with, young lady here in her early 30s, just kind of getting her career started and was worrying that anxiety was going to keep her from being able to advance in her company because she was getting on boardroom meetings and Zoom meetings and stuff. And it was becoming a big issue just being around people in a social capacity, right? She knew intellectually it didn't make any sense, but she was starting to think, oh, this is just how it's going to be for the rest of my life. Thankfully, we were able to intercept all these cases. So it just doesn't have to be that way. It's just an old, outdated, antiquated myth that's based on knowledge from that's about 50 or 60 years old, quite honestly. So it just doesn't have to be the case. The second big myth out there is people have this idea, totally understandable, totally makes sense that you'd believe this, but they think that they're doing everything that they can or that they should. And why is that? Well, it's because the common narrative for the past 100 years, pretty much, I mean, 60, 70 years, especially, has been, if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, that means you've got this permanent problem that's going to be with you forever. And that pretty much your only options are number one, what our society overvalued for a long time is just, you know, kind of shut up about it and get on with life and, you know, whatever, ignore the problem that doesn't do so good. The, and then if you're going to address the problem, the only other ways that people have been encouraged to do that is, you know, go see a psychiatrist, go through traditional therapy or counseling, uh, and or, you know, go and do medications, which, by the way, totally viable options, but very often they're not sufficient, right? I mean, I'm certainly not advising people to not go and, you know, pursue that if that's what you feel you need to do. You certainly can do so, but a lot of people find it's just not sufficient for them. And especially in recent years, more and more data is coming out that's suggesting uh, that the traditional methodologies are just not being sufficient for getting people to that place of feeling really fulfilled day to day. Uh, it doesn't mean they don't add value. I mean, I've got lots of friends, colleagues who are therapists and counselors. I respect those people tremendously because they care deeply and they're doing what they've been taught to help. Challenges the skill set most therapists and counselors are being taught is not sufficient these days. Uh, and it's based off of some old beliefs that are just antiquated. They're, they've been proven incorrect many times over. Um, and that's where a lot of people are running into these issues. Um, and with medications, it's becoming a big issue too. A lot of people find that they'll be on them for years, sometimes decades. Uh, your biochemistry can change permanently sometimes. You can run into other issues. So it does add value for some people it is sufficient, but for a lot of people, it's just not even, it's a non-starter because for them, they just don't even want to go down that road. You know, they don't like the idea of having to address things biochemically. I came from that attitude as well, uh, where I just, I intuitively, I thought and knew that there was something I could be doing from a natural capacity to really get myself where I wanted to be on a mental health basis. Um, and, you know, now what we're seeing, this is a, a very recent uh, journal that just put this out 
essentially what's happening is we're even seeing that even people who are in prolonged periods of therapy uh, are very often not even experiencing incredible benefits. You know, uh, even from my own consultative work that we've done over the years, I mean, we speak to, I don't know, probably about 2,000 people a year on the phone, myself and my team, and we'll consult with people. And just from those people that we consult with, we see that so many people have been going to therapy for years, you know, and they're still not getting where they want to be. They've been still feeling stuck. So this idea that pursuing the traditional methods of I'm doing everything I can, I'm doing everything I should, is just not, again, totally understandable because that's what is common knowledge. That's what everyone's been taught. So I'm, I don't blame you at all. You know, I mean, that's definitely the, the common belief, but it's just not your only option. In fact, one of the common things I get from people who use the process we teach is they'll say they have been with a therapist or counselor for a long period of time. They'll feel guilty wanting to quit because <laughs> they'll get better results using the process we teach, uh, you know, but they've developed this relationship. And it's almost like people stay in therapy or counseling because they're afraid of hurting the therapist and counselor's feelings, or they've just gotten so comfortable and acclimated to having that little person to go and talk to. Uh, not little person, that little activity, I mean, you know, being able to go and talk to that person and sort of vent and, you know, it feels good for a little while because you, you're able to be understood, you're being listened to, uh, you're able to get things off your chest, but there comes a point that people hit where they go, why am I not getting better? You know, I hear people tell me all the time, like, what we teach got them more results in a matter of hours sometimes, or, you know, certainly within a couple of day, you know, weeks, I would say, than even years of therapy has gotten them, because we're just drilling right down into how do we actually get your life better? Uh, whereas for therapists and counselors, it's a coping idea. That's kind of the big paradigm that they're operating in. They're, they're opting into the idea that, well, my patient is going to be dealing with this for the rest of their life. Let's settle in, let's be patient, let's take our time, and let's slowly, 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 slowly engage in the ongoing process um, that is primarily based off of, you know, the, the whole listening hypothesis, the idea that if I just listen to this person, create a space for them to feel, they'll be able to process their feelings predominantly on their own. And I kid you not, most patients don't realize this, but most traditional therapy go, is based on an idea that goes all the way back to Freud, which is called the talking cure or uh, non-directive therapy. And the whole premise behind so much of therapy today uh, is that the therapist should be giving as little direction as possible. That's not true in all therapy. Some therapy is more directive, and obviously there are personal styles where some people are more constructive and proactive. But now what we're finding is most of the therapists and counselors who are doing more proactive things are implementing the systems we teach, you know, uh, in their therapy, you know, which is great. We want people to, to, to learn that. But anyway, the idea that you're doing everything you can or should, you just haven't been exposed to what's going to work for you. Myth number three, we've got to unlearn that's keeping you anxious or depressed uh, is, you know, the idea that it's not that bad. It can wait. I've got to focus on other things. I know many of you, you know, you got careers, you've got kids, you might be married or who knows, right? What your situation is. We work with people of all stages of life, all the way down to middle school kids, all the way up to people in their eighties, right? We've helped people in all sorts of capacities, but there's this mentality that people get into where they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mental health. I know, I know. I should probably go meditate. I should probably do this and this and that. I should probably go get some help, but I've got to pay the bills, uh, but my business is not in a good spot, but I've got to focus on this right now. And what you're actually doing is you're putting the cart before the horse in a very severe, serious way. So these two gentlemen uh, exemplify this tremendously. Both of them were major executives at a company that was doing, I don't know, seven, eight million, something like that at the time. I mean, a major, major operation. Um big teams, you know, 20 people plus, I believe they they both were kind of at that senior C-suite level, you know, at the chief OO, you know, or his chief OO, COO level uh, type management, right, that they were both working. And so they both were in that attitude. And they wanted to work with me on business and executive coaching. I'm like, hey, listen, I got to teach you how to get your mental health squared away. 
And they're like, no, 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 I just need, you know, things to help me be more productive. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I need to show you how to eliminate anxiety and stress from your daily life so that you can be more productive. And so they were a little hesitant about it. But once I showed them what I showed them, I mean, the amount of freedom they ended up creating for themselves on their time, their daily schedules, their ability to be productive, they were able to spend times with their family again, right? They Because they were getting more done in less time. They were not feeling overwhelmed. They weren't just trying to go into what I call the roadrunner technique or roadrunner syndrome. Like you remember the old cartoon where roadrunner is like just running, 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 and you like run straight off the cliff, right? And the whole thing is just run faster and don't look down. You know, so many people get in that attitude. It just doesn't work, right? You've got to get your mental health taken care of, mastered, squared away, handled. Once you do that, you can be as effective as you want in the business field. And until you do that, you're going to constantly feel like a dog chasing your own tail, trying to get to this point of completion or peace of mind or contentedness that you think will come just by chasing down enough to-dos on your to-do list. And it just doesn't work that way. You have to get your mental state set first and then enter into your business dynamic. And, or, or, you know, by the way, I know some of you guys might be stay-at-home parents, right? Same thing applies to you. You might be thinking, no, 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 I can't prioritize myself. I got to work on my kids. I see some of you guys chiming off in the chats, right? Saying that, you know, that you can relate to this mentality, uh, you know, even though you're not an executive. So, so same thing. People are not prioritizing their mental health and their families are paying the price. Think about it this way, right? When you get on an airplane, they tell you that when, you know, in the case of an emergency to put the oxygen mask on your kid first and then you, right? I see people in the chat. No, 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 wrong, wrong, right? No, of course not. They say put it on yourself and then put it on other people because if you don't put yourself in a state where you can actually serve people at an effective level, you're not going to be able to help anybody. And many of you guys are feeling anxious, overwhelmed, and stressed. And then you're transposing that onto your kids, onto your team, onto your spouse. So you're actually worsening your relationships, worsening your finances, worsening your career. Because the emotional state you are in is the chief filter that you live life through. If you don't learn how to be in an exceptional emotional state consistently, nothing, everything else is going to break down. Okay. And then the fourth and final myth is, you know, that if I don't do the traditional methods, counseling, therapy, medications, et cetera, that all that's left is like healing chakras and crystals and energy healing and goat yoga and you know all that stuff which by the way hey i don't knock any of that stuff like that's cool you know i've i there is value in meditation and all that things but I, the thing i want you to see is that to get your mental health where you want you don't need to believe in a mystical deity if you do no problem you can still get your mental health where you want but what you really need is a a, a grounded process that works. You need something proactive. You need something structured. You need to know exactly what to do and when to do it. And you need something that has a history and a track record of proven results. And that's where the whole conditioning-based methodology comes in, because that's what really works. And it's what enables you to have sustainability, because none of this really matters unless you get sustainability, right? And that's what we've learned over the years, is we've got lots of different people with lots of different mental health challenges who've who are going to respond differently to different strategies. And so what we've learned over the years is we can help people find the specific combination of conditioning-based strategies that will enable them to have the emotional quality of life that they want long-term. And that's what the name of the game is, right? You don't have to go into the realm of mysticism. You know, It's not like those are your only options, like settle for the coping idea, or go into woo-woo stuff, right? There is there is actual, practical, clear things you can do to make sure that you improve your mental health, absolutely, okay? So how do you do it? Well, now we move into the second goal of today, right? I told you, number one, we need to absolutely unlearn the things that are keeping you stuck, and then I gotta show you the phases to make the changes. Well, here's what we do. This is how we've helped every single person, every person. I've worked with, people who've been 
you know, they're, they've got serious bad habits, like they're, you know, addicted to drugs. I've worked with people who are dealing with alcohol issues, uh, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, depression, people who've got compulsive stuff going on, right, where they can't stop like counting different things or whatever it is. Um, I've even helped people improve their focus and memory. And it's not that I'm so brilliant, you know, because I'm not, I'm really not. It's just that I understand the foundational components of how your mind works. And you can learn this too. You know, there's nothing really profound about it, really, once you start to, to implement it. So I'll give you a simple little metaphor so you can kind of understand this. I give you the wide variety of uh, situations so you can understand kind of the breadth of it. And it may seem like each one of those is a very isolated, nuanced, has to be its own sort of path type of thing, because that's kind of how our society looks at it. But though that variety of situations actually has a lot more in common than you might think, even if you're just like here on this webinar, because you're like, Ty, I don't have any of that stuff. I'm just feeling stressed out. You know, okay, great. Same thing. Because all that stresses is a habitual emotional pattern. Okay, say it with me, a habitual emotional pattern. That's what your issue is right now. Right? It's not some permanent major thing that you have to stick with for the rest of your life. It's a pattern and patterns are changeable. And so here's a simple little metaphor to think about. Think of a jukebox, right? You go up to a jukebox and in that jukebox, there's, I don't know, let's say a thousand CDs. You type in a sequence of numbers and letters and then what happens? Well, you press enter or whatever. And then the CD that is attached to that sequence comes forward and plays. Okay, simple enough, right? Well, if I only go up to that jukebox and let's say I type in, you know, eight different strings of numbers and letters in a given day, well, what's going to happen is it's going to play those same eight songs every day, right? I keep typing in those same things every day. Boom, 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 boom. It keeps going with those same eight songs. If those are eight great songs, cool. I'm going to have, I'm going to have good music for the day. If they're really bad songs, well, now I'm going to have a really crappy day. Well, this is how the subconscious works. So what happens for people, and this is the same with you and me and every other person in the world, your nervous system runs on patterns, right? So if you think about what you do in a typical day, chances are what you do in a typical day looks about 90% the same as what you did yesterday compared to what you're going to do tomorrow. Okay, and scientists have actually seen this, that, you know, there's, I forget the exact number, I think it's around 300,000 different thoughts a day, somewhere around there, 300,000 different thoughts a day, uh, or excuse me, total thoughts. However, out of those hundreds of thousands of thoughts, whatever the exact number is, you know, 85 to 90% of them are the same damn thoughts. So you keep thinking the same stuff. In fact, can't you relate to this? Think about the emotional issue that you're here to deal with. Chances are every day you're thinking about the same three to six repetitive thoughts. Isn't that true? Okay. And that's just the type of pattern that you're able to become consciously aware of. So what's happening as you go through the day is it's like you're pressing the same little, you know, uh, numbers and letters, which represents the, the context of your life, right? So like if you wake up in the morning, you make breakfast for your kids, you go to work, you stay at work until five, you come home and you see your spouse when you walk through the door, you either make dinner with your family or you don't, and then you either go to bed or you don't, right? There's probably seven or eight major trigger points in a day, if you think about it. Your mind has a habitual way of responding at each one of those little trigger points. Does it get really, really stressed out and overwhelmed? And does it become difficult to get out of bed? Or do you kind of grit your teeth through it and you make it happen, but you still feel stressed? You kind of follow me? Like you're doing the same things. Your mind is running the same CDs in response to the same repetitive situations that pop up in your daily life. I hope that metaphor makes sense now, okay? So the CDs, right, the repetitive conditioned emotional patterns, right, are what's going to determine the quality of life. If your mind... All of a sudden, when you wake up in the morning, thinks, oh my gosh, what could go wrong today? And it goes down this whole rabbit hole of thought that you don't know how to control that's really, really dark and really uh, overwhelming. 
Well, that's going to be the quality of your life because every morning your mind is going to habitually play that CD and play that CD and you're going to keep going into that overwhelmed mode. So when I work with people who have an alcohol issue, it's the same thing for them as they go through their daily life. There's usually seven or eight trigger points that make them want to drink. Uh, maybe, you know, they think about something that went bad in their past and immediately they want to drink. Maybe it's they think about the future and they fear something going wrong in the future. And so then they want to drink. So there's all these little mental activities that are very habitual and we can help you identify what they are and break them down that are triggering the whole sequence that you're feeling stuck in. So all we have to do really is three simple things. Imagine, first of all, we have to identify those, right? I have to help you see what you can't see because you're too close to see it. I have to help you identify what the patterns are that are causing you an issue. Where are the trigger points? Number one, okay, but it's more than the trigger. I have to help you identify the trigger, which is the code that's being punched in, right? What is setting the pattern off? But the trigger is not the source of the issue. The source of your anxiety is not your boss that keeps triggering you, right? It's not your wife. It's not your kids. The source of the issue is the CD, the CD that has gotten attached to that sequence that plays. The CD that goes, oh my gosh, why is my boss such a jerk and I'm never going to succeed at work and blah, blah, blah. And it goes into that whole train of thought. That's where the anxiety is coming from, okay? So, or that's wanting you to go, oh my gosh, I don't think I can cope with this. I need to just go have a drink. Or maybe I'll feel better if I go eat. Or maybe I'll feel better if I just go sleep, okay? So you've got a, a pattern that's the issue. So I have to help you identify those CDs, number one, and deconstruct it. So it's so stupid simple for you to understand how you can start to shift it. That's number one. Number two is I have to help you interrupt it. I have to help you take that CD, okay? And imagine if we scratched it. Well, if we scratched it once, now it tries to play, it's going to have a tougher time, right? It's going to go, eh, and that didn't quite work. And that's exactly what happens when we start implementing this with clients. It's crazy because what happens is they start using our process. And whereas they used to immediately go into a panic attack, all of a sudden now it's like, oh, wait a minute, huh? Now I've, I'm not going into the panic attack quite so easily. Right? And that's the sensation because we start giving them strategies where they're training their brain to no longer go into that same pattern. We're modifying the pattern. And if we scratched it enough times, if we give you enough strategies to train your brain to no longer go into that habitual mode, guess what? It gets ejected, gets spit out. It won't go there anymore. And that gives us the chance to put a new CD in, which is really cool. Because then as opposed to immediately feeling anxious when you're around your boss, now you can feel calm and confident. As opposed to feeling like you just want to curl up in bed when you wake up in the morning, you can feel excited and ready to get out of bed. Instead of snapping at your kids or your spouse, you can be loving and warm towards them. Instead of ruminating anxiously and not being able to sleep, you can feel calm and confident and excited for the next day ahead. So I've seen all the different patterns, right, over the years, right? There's pretty much nothing anyone can tell me these days that surprises me. And so it's always the same stuff, you know, whether, whatever it is, there's always a pattern that we need to identify, interrupt, and replace regardless. So that's how we got to help you. Now, the thing that people get, where they get confused is they want to overcomplicate it, right? They want to get a more and more specific nuanced diagnosis, and they want to go further and further into the past. And oh my gosh, maybe I was like this because when I was six years old, this happened. And when I was nine years old, this happened. And the more you complicate your mental health, the more it's going to rob you of your joy, okay? And it's going to cause you to feel convinced that you can't change this thing. You don't need to continue to go mentally searching for more reasons why you think that you're, you know, screwed up right now, okay? That's never going to help you. What you need is you need proactive strategies that are simple, easy to implement, that work, and that sustainably could get your mental health back where you want it to be. You don't need to spend any more mental energy on worrying about how you got to this point, okay? We don't need to worry about that. We need to worry about making it better. And, uh, you know, this is why we're able to routinely see people get control of their mental health right between, right around 90 days is the sweet spot for most people because we usually are tackling some pretty severe stuff. For people where, you know, it's just chronic stress or a little anxiety or something like that, we can usually get them squared away in a month, 
you know, sometimes less. So it all depends on your situation, but doesn't really ever take much longer than three months on, on in most cases. So, um, and by the way, I just want to remind you, because as you're listening to this, it's easy for you to think like, oh yeah, Ty, well, that's probably worked for other people, but it can't be that simple. I don't think that would work for me because you don't understand, you know, I've seen everything. I've been through everything. My stepdad was a total asshole and he did this and that. And everyone wants to have this belief that they're so messed up that they're not going to be able to change. And I'll tell you quite honestly, sincerely, I mean this really heart to heart. The mind has a tendency to want to create a giant narrative about why we can't change as a cop-out of doing what's necessary to change. I'm not calling you lazy. I'm not saying you're doing it on purpose, okay? I mean this as a brother to a brother or a sister because I've been there too. What I'm saying is our mind so much wants to feel certainty and comfort that ironically, we will keep ourselves in a pattern of pain because the idea of trying to change and failing seems even scarier. But here's the good news. It's totally accessible and doable for anybody. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you've got a genetic lineage. Okay? It doesn't matter if you've got a series of emotional habits, like you're overeating, you're drinking, you're smoking, you're doing this and that. Right? This lady here that we worked with, she was able to get most of that handled within like four weeks. I mean, it doesn't happen that way for every person. Sometimes it takes a little more time, of course. You know, everyone's a little different. I'm not going to guarantee you specific results in a specific time period because I've learned over the years there's a wide variety of people. But for you to equate that to think that you can't change is just as equally delusional. Okay, it's totally doable regardless of what the issue is. And I've just seen it so many times. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your economic position, doesn't matter your specific habits or patterns. It just really doesn't. So let me deconstruct this a little bit for you so you can start to see how this goes, okay? So each person tends to have, as I mentioned, right, six to 10 major patterns that they need to identify. Remember, as I said, right, your mind is pretty much doing the same stuff every day. And so we have to help you identify and deconstruct what those patterns are. Uh, everybody's a little different and I've given you a wide variety here. So in my line of work, I know of and check for over 68 potential patterns I know to look for to identify what your specific half dozen are. You don't need to know all 68, right? All we got to do is help you identify the, the six to 10 that are really running your life. So let me show you two of the common ones, okay? So, because that's what we have time for today. Let me show you two of the common ones. Well, if you're feeling anxious, okay, let me see in the chat, how many of you guys are feeling anxious on a regular basis? Hey, if that's the number one thing you're here to do. Okay, so I'm seeing a lot. Yes, 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 yes. Anxious, anxious, yes, panic, yes, stress. Stress slash anxious. Okay, great. So the first pattern that I teach people that our mind will get into is a pattern of mental searching, okay? The mind is always habitually searching for something. It goes down rabbit holes, essentially, and it goes down the same types of rabbit holes continuously to cause us to feel stuck. If, chances are, and I, you go ahead and validate for me in the chat, because, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll learn something today. But I would bet just about any amount of money that if you're feeling anxious, it's probably one of these things. In terms of the time zone that you spend most of your focus on, you're probably only focused on the present moment. 10 to 25% of the time. In fact, it's probably less. It's probably 10%, maybe, maybe less. Okay. And you're probably focusing on the future, the vast majority of the time, even if it's just the near term future. And go ahead and tell me in the chat, does that sound right? Do you tend to focus on the present for a moment and then immediately start to think about the future? Okay. I'm saying yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's totally me. Okay, great. So, so somebody says maybe 20% present, 80% future. Okay, so same, same difference, right? But then the other issue, that doesn't sound so bad, right? But some people spend 85% of their time focusing on the present. Well, if one person's focusing 80% on the present and one's 80% on the future, do you think those people are going to feel different things? Potentially, right? It's probably likely. But here's where it really gets interesting. When you're, if you're feeling anxious, here's probably what you're thinking about. 
your mind is searching for what could go wrong. I would virtually guarantee it, right? And you tell me, and it's some version of that. It's either like, what if I get embarrassed at work? Or what if they think I'm stupid? Or what if they, uh, if it's health related, right? Like, well, what if something goes wrong with my heart? Or what if I pass out? Or something along those lines. Everybody's got a mental script that they typically run where they think about something in the present. Like they notice, let's say if it's health anxiety related, they notice their heartbeat. And then all of a sudden they go from focusing on the present to immediately focusing on the future and going, oh, I'm probably gonna have a heart attack, okay? Or they see a look on one of their friend's faces when they're out at happy hour. And then immediately they go, are they thinking about what I'm wearing right now? And you immediately start going into a, a trail of thought of some type of injury, some type of embarrassment, some type of something's gonna go wrong, okay? A small percentage of people are worried about injury happening to someone else or something like that. It could also be something, you know, like, uh, I worked with somebody where it was like a doomsday type anxiety, you know, very rare, but thinking that like an earthquake is going to happen, right? But it's always some version of the future and something going wrong. Okay, now if you're feeling depressed, so in the chat, how many of you guys would say you're feeling more sad, more depressed, more lack of motivation type thing? Okay, a little less on today's call than anxious, it looks like, but still a good amount. All right, well, if you're feeling depressed, then chances are you're doing this. Uh, it's one of two types, actually. Type one would be you're focusing, again, about 10 to 25% on the present, but then 70 to 90% on the past. So you keep getting stuck focusing on the past, okay? How many of you can relate to that? Actually, let me show you the second one, and then you guys can tell me whether you're type one or type two. Type two would be you're focusing on the present, and then, again, the future, okay? So how many are type one versus type two? Type one, type one, type two, type one. Okay, so it looks like more type ones than type two, which is usually how it goes. Now, again, that doesn't sound so bad on the surface, right? If you're just mentally searching through the past, well, that could be good. You could be thinking about all the good memories of the past, right? Just like with the top one, you know, you could be thinking about how good the future could be. But when you're feeling depressed, you're not just searching for the past or the future, you're searching for what you feel is missing, usually, or what went wrong. So if you're looking in the past, you're either going, oh my gosh, I really, how did I ever pass that up? Or why did I break up with that boy? Or, you know, why did I quit that job? Or, oh, I screwed it up here and here. Okay. How many of you can relate to that? And if you're thinking about the future, you're usually creating a version of the future of what you think will go wrong, how you think you will screw something up. And usually that you you create a vision in the future of the, the future going a particular way, going really bad. And then in your brain, you go, well, what the hell's the point anyway? And your mind keeps running that CD, the DVD in this case, right? It's like creating a movie of how the future is gonna go. That's why you're feeling stuck, okay? So I'm seeing people going, holy cow, this is exactly me. I totally get it. Now, by the way, I see one person here who said, this is what, this, maybe this is why therapy didn't work because I just go into therapy and I talk up through exactly what you have on the screen. And that's exactly right. That's why a lot of people don't get great results because what do you do? You go to therapy and what you do in therapy is you're focusing on telling, talking about how you worry the future is going to go horribly and you just have someone listening to you. And then you get at the end of the hour and they don't give you concrete advice on what to do or how to change your thoughts sometimes. And so then you think, well, all right, I guess I just did therapy, but I still feel bad. Sometimes you end up feeling worse at the end of a therapy session because you're just going into your old pattern. Okay. Let me show you one other way of pattern identification. Chances are, if you're running into a habitual negative pattern, you've got a pattern of repetitive language that's also causing you an issue. Your mind is probably going through some type of habitual series of things it says. Most people are not consciously aware of what they are, but there's usually half a dozen things that you're saying. If you're feeling anxious, go ahead and let me know in the chats, but here's what you've probably got. It's probably a combination of both. In fact, it probably is both of these. So you're probably saying to yourself, X is going to happen, okay? And some version of that, it could be like, I'm gonna have a heart attack or I'm gonna pass out or they're gonna think I'm a fraud or I'm gonna be embarrassed, or I'm gonna be humiliated, okay? But it's some type of I'm gonna, this is gonna, it's gonna, he's gonna, 
whatever, right? How many of you guys can relate to that? All right, so, okay, I see the chat exploding right now, okay? So it's just a huge amount. And then number two is I can't, okay? If you're feeling anxious on a repetitive basis, you're usually going into an I can't statement, something like, I can't go to work, uh, I can't do this, I can't, whatever, right? Some version of those, okay? And so it's like getting a bad CD stuck in your head. And in fact, I'm not going to, well, you know what? I will try this with you guys. Go ahead and identify what that number one item is that runs through your head, okay? Just think about what that sentence is. But here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes maybe for a second. And inside your mind, I want you to hear that sentence being said in the same typical way that it would regularly be said. And tell me, zero to 10, how anxious does that make you feel? And put it in the chat, why don't you? Okay, so I see seven, eight, nine. I see 11, 11, <laughs> 10. Okay, right, exactly. So all it takes is one CD, right? One little language pattern and boom, you're immediately anxious. So that's how quickly this can happen, right? And then let's talk about depressed. So if you're feeling depressed, here's what you're probably doing on a language basis. You're probably using a, a key tool that we teach people called universals. Right? So you're not just saying like, uh, oh, I got fired. You're saying I'm never going to find another job or no one is hiring right now or everyone's out to get me or I've always been like this or I'll always be like this. Right? You're taking one particular piece of data and you're universalizing it. So it becomes, much, it becomes emotionally a much larger thing in the mind. It feels all encapsulating and that's why you feel stuck. Okay, how many of you guys can relate to that? I see people in the chat already, right? Saying, yep, that's exactly what I said. In fact, some of you guys, uh, you know, it can be a combination of these, right? Like, uh, it's always going to be that way, right? There's another way to do it. Okay, so now I just showed you a handful. All I did right there is I just showed you like four or five of the ways to identify an old pattern. There are dozens and dozens of patterns out there for every person, you've got somewhere between six and 10 specific ones. So we might have identified one or two of yours and that, that's great. So now let's talk about pattern interruption. So we got to interrupt any pattern and uh, you're only, most people are only going to need five to seven strategies to be implemented consistently over one to three months. That's what I've learned over the years. There's 42 different pattern interruption strategies that I use in my coaching plans with people that I help people. Let me show you one of them right now, okay? So this is what we call a simple scramble. So I want you to take that language pattern you had from the last exercise, okay? And when you played it in your head, chances are it sounded a particular way. It had a particular volume. It had a particular tone of voice, right? And I want you to just think about that for a sec. Was it like high volume? Was it low volume? What was the tone of voice? Was it quick? Or was it slow? Okay, for most people, it's going to be high volume, high-ish, quick, and it's going to have kind of a high-pitched thing, like, this is going to happen. That's usually how it is for most people. Okay. And now what I want you to do is I'm going to have you, well, I'm going to walk you through a scramble process on that. Okay. So again, try this, close your eyes for a sec, and hear that little language pattern, whatever it was for you. And tell me again, zero to 10, or just take note of zero to 10, how anxious does it make you feel? Okay. Chances are it's somewhere between a six and a 10. Okay. Now try something else with your eyes still closed. I want you to now make the volume like a whisper to make it like a tiny, tiny whisper and tell and think what number intensity does that give you? Try that. Okay. And now for about, go ahead and put in the chat if you like. Okay. A lot of people, it's a lot less for about 80% of people. It's going to be a lot less for a small portion of you. It's going to be more severe. But for most of you, it's going to be a lot less. Now try this. Just close your eyes again. Hear it normal volume. But I want you now to hear the, the voice as if it just inhaled a whole balloon of helium. And now it says the sentence. Go ahead and try that. And notice what you feel. Okay. All right. And now I see some interesting things in the chat. Like, I don't, I don't feel anxious at all. I feel confused. I feel it's, it seems silly. It's ridiculous. Right. So that's exactly right. So what I want you to notice is, you know, everyone teaches like positive self-talk, 
And what you guys have probably dealt with if you've been feeling anxious is you hear yourself say something like, oh my gosh, this horrible thing is going to happen. And then you try to talk yourself down. And you're like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be happening. We're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. But you keep speaking to yourself in that same habitual way. Well, that little scramble process shows you that it sounds silly, right? It's You change the, not the content, but you change the context of the pattern. And what we did is we just put a tiny little scratch through it. So try this real quick. We might as well just finish the exercise. Hear the same sentence in your mind, but now I want you to hear it as if it's the voice of uh, Donald Duck. Okay, just go ahead and try that. Okay, and then lastly, hear it one more time as uh, Mickey Mouse. Okay, try that. Okay, so now you guys are probably just thinking this is silly or whatever, and I know it sounds stupid, right? But now try this. This is where things will be interesting. Now I want you to try the original sentence and the original format and tell me what number severity you get. Okay, now in the chat, go ahead and tell me, is it lesser than the last time? Is it worse or is it the same? As in, when I just had you repeat it that time, is it less severe than the very first time when you tried it? Okay, and I'm getting less, 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 lot less, little bit less, a whole lot less, barely feel anxious at all. Okay, perfect. So what did we do? Well, we took that old CD, we identified that old CD, right, which was language pattern being a problem for you. And we identified it was a particular tone, a tempo, all these things. And then I showed you a way to interrupt it. We scratched it three times. All we did is we put three scratches in it, Donald Duck, Helium, Mickey Mouse. Now it goes to play again. And remember what I said, right, it tries to play and it's going to scramble it. It's, scr it's not playing the same way anymore. So this is just one little instance of teaching you how you can condition your brain, how you train your brain to break out of old patterns. It's pretty powerful. Now, there's a portion of you, I see some in the chat, a small portion of you are saying, ah, I've been, I don't know if that worked for me. The reason that may not have worked for you is some of you guys are, don't have a pattern that's predominantly language-based. Some of you have a pattern that's based more visual or kinesthetic, which are more advanced things that I teach you know, in a format different than this. So Obviously, today, I, I'm just focusing on the ones that will apply to most of you. Pattern replacement, okay? This is the final stage. Beyond conditioning and breaking up those old patterns so they feel less and less predominant, we got to replace it. we got to give you something new. It doesn't do good if you just get rid of anxiety. You have to replace it with feeling confident. So a simple metaphor I like to use is, you know, like there's no such thing as darkness, okay? There's only the absence of light. Uh, scientifically speaking, same thing with coldness. There's no such thing as cold. There's only the absence of heat. You know, so if you go into a dark room, well, you wouldn't say to yourself, how do I get this darkness out of here? You would say, hey, turn on the light. And if you turn on the light, then the darkness recedes as the light expands. That's the same thing with anxiety or depression. Depression and anxiety recedes as we replace it with joy, peace, contentedness, et cetera, which is again, another shortcoming of traditional therapy is everything becomes the focus on the depression, the anxiety, the depression, how you've been feeling. And it doesn't focus on how do we get you feeling different? How do we replace it? So here again, people only need like half a dozen, you know, it's pretty simple. Uh, but there's a total of 97 techniques that we draw from to help you find what those half a dozen are that's going to work best for you. Let me show you one of them. So one of them that works uh, pretty well, it takes conditioning, it takes practice, it, it's not super intuitive, but it's called subconscious scripting. So remember how I was saying that before your mind kind of imagined something like, uh, you know, passing out or having a heart attack or something going bad. Well, what you've got to do is realize that your mind is, you're, you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed or depressed because your mind doesn't know the difference between what it's imagining and what's real. So what we teach people how to do is to rewrite the scripts in the mind. You subconsciously script it so your mind has a feeling of how it's going to go in the future and that it's going to go well. And so uh, I'll walk you through a simple little il illustration of this. Okay, so close your eyes for a second. Okay, and make sure that you're breathing nice and deep and easy. Okay, and I want you to just remember a time where you uh, felt really, really good. Like maybe you felt confident or maybe you felt joyful. 
could have been a long time ago even, could have been years ago. Okay, a day where you felt really, really good. For parents, um, typically it's gonna be the, uh, the moment that's gonna come to you. Usually it's gonna be the day one of your children was born. It could have been your wedding day, maybe something like that. Okay, it could have been a day you got a promotion at work, something like that. But I want you to just remember and put yourself back in that moment, okay? And by the way, so those of you who are just not participating, just participate. You're here to get some results, okay? You gotta implement something. So trust me on this. There's a science behind this. It's not, this is not woo-woo stuff. So close your eyes and imagine you're right back in that moment as best you can. Just kind of remember what you were seeing, like visually kind of piece it back together. And then remember what you were feeling in your body, right? Any sensations that you remember, okay? And what I want you to do now is just kind of remember what that felt like, how good it felt, right? And notice that your emotional state has changed at least a little bit as you kind of put yourself back there. And now what I want you to do is I want you to imagine the next three months unfolding. And I want you to imagine you steadily getting your mental health back where you want it to go. You don't even have to know exactly how, but I just want you to imagine yourself taking a couple simple actions and then a couple more actions. And I want you to imagine yourself you know, doing what's right for you, maybe getting some kind of help doing something different, but seeing it playing out and seeing yourself getting back to that place of feeling content, seeing the next three months unfold exactly how you want it to unfold. Okay. And imagine it as if it were really real, as if it were really happening. Okay. That three months. Don't worry about getting it perfect. It's just a simple exercise. Okay. Just imagine that three months unfolding from today all the way to three months. And now you're at the end of that three months and you're feeling exactly how you want to feel, right? And you're feeling proud, you're feeling confident, you're feeling excited, okay? And then just slowly open your eyes. Okay, now at a minimum, some of you guys found that to be maybe a little challenging, but maybe it was at least interesting. Some of you would find that to be a lot easier. And that would depend on how your nervous system operates. Some of you are more easy to kind of visualize and imagine, some it's a little more challenging. And that's why we have a variety of different tools we have to draw from to help you figure out your specific patterns, okay? But that one tends to work quite well for people as they start to practice it. So, you know, I've shown you some things you can implement and, and put to use immediately right now. Some of you guys are just gonna take that information and try to do the best with it as best you can. And that's great. You know, I'm happy to, to make sure that you do that. Some of you guys are looking for a real solution, however. You know, you don't want to just dabble with this. You want to master it, right? You don't want to have to continue to worry about this years in the future. You want to get this thing done and handled. And so, you know, I am offering a way for you to get some uh, individual help if you'd like to. So, you know, this is a chance for you to stop guessing. You know, you don't have to guess on what to do. You don't have to try to piece it together yourself. You can get a trained eye who can help you. You don't have to use hoping as a strategy, which is just not usually very effective long-term. And, you know, you can have a very experienced team and mentor uh, help you get the clarity on what to do, what plan's going to work for you. I mean, look, we've done this so many times, right? We've seen just about every situation you could possibly throw at us. It's pretty easy for me within a couple of minutes of talking with somebody to figure out, yep, I know exactly what is going to need to be done. I know exactly how long it's going to take. I know what the setbacks and challenges are going to be. And it becomes pretty simple for us to map out a very specific plan um, that needs to be done. And it's only always helped someone get closer to their goals. I mean, the people who actually follow our guidance and do it, it works. It really, really does.